0: Hi friends, welcome back. My guest today is Taylor Pearson and we are talking about yet another blog post which I fell in love with at the beginning of the year and tracked the author down online to force him to come on to Modern Wisdom. Your life is directed by the core values and operating principles which underpin it. Whether you've written them down or not, whether you even know what they are or not, they are the wind in the sails of your life. And upon reading Taylor's blog posts at the start of the year, I realized just how much of a profound effect it had on me to force myself into purposefully manifesting, actually getting them out of me, and I just wanted to bring it to you guys. If you're in the right place to hear this, I genuinely believe that the exercises which Taylor takes us through today can really, really impact your life in a massively positive direction, and they're free. My advice would be that once you've finished listening to this episode, head to Taylor's website, check out the exercises, and give them a crack yourself. I'd love to find out if they have as brilliant of an impact on you as they did on me. But for now, it's time for the wise and wonderful, Taylor Pearson. Before we get into today's podcast, I have to put a disclaimer out. It is absolutely sweltering in Newcastle. So I'm wearing a vest, got loads of stick. Last time I wore a vest. But it's not a lack of care about this podcast. I'm super excited to sit down with Taylor Pearson. It's just too warm, you know. I mean, under a bunch of lights, and uh, it's challenging today. But Taylor, man, welcome to the show.
1: Pleasure to be here. Glad you're staying cool.
0: <laughs> I'm trying. Well, the problem is in the UK, it's only hot for like five days of the year, so no one has aircon. But to not right. have aircon in a house in in America would be ridiculous, right? But over here, it's like, why would you have aircon? It's cold like seven and a half months out of the year, and so. It is what it is. Uh, So today we're going to talk about core principles and values. Uh, You've got a couple of blog posts which just blew me away when I read them at the start of this year and have been a huge influence on me. And I just wanted to give you the opportunity to tell the audience about why core values and operating principles are so useful, why they're so important, and then kind of give us some insight into, into your thoughts on them. So to begin with, Do we all have core values and operating principles? Because you've got this big list on your site, uh, 37 operating principles and your five core values and all this stuff. If someone hasn't written them out, do they still have them guiding their
1: actions? Yeah, I think at some level, right, you all have intrinsic – you know, we all face decisions every day. You have, like, whatever mundane decisions. Am I going to have a salad for lunch or a burger for lunch? You have, you know, who, whatever. Who am I going to marry? Who am I – you know, what am I going to do – with the rest of my life, blah, blah, blah. And you're, 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 there's some algorithm, so to speak, right? You have some internal way where you're like waiting what's going on in that decision and, and choosing it one way or the other. So yeah, to me, it's, it's something that um, I think everyone has to some extent internally. I, I found externalizing them, you know, sort of like making them explicit where I can uh, kind of read them. One can like help me be a little bit more self-reflective, right? Like, is this actually something that I think is important? Do I want to do this? And then, you know, oftentimes also just uh, I, I find out I'll sort of treat one area of my life one way and another area of my life another way. Right. And so, I, you know, when I sort of like put all those things out on on paper. It, it forces me to be a little bit more like, oh, like, actually, this is like a bit hypocritical. And, uh, you know, I could, I could apply this to there and that to there.
0: So you use the learnings from certain areas of your life to progress your uh, understanding in and insights in different areas of your life.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, to start maybe the general operating principles, the way that kind of like originated for me, and I'm sure like everyone has this experience is like you, you do something dumb, you make you make some mistake, or you you have some like significant learning, you're like, wow, I really hope that in the future, like I don't do that thing that way again, like this (laughs) is the correct way to do that is actually this other way. And like, that's what I should do. And uh, I guess I found myself like, just, you know, despite thinking that I would then just like proceed to make the same mistake in some slightly different way, uh, at some point in the future. And so, um, kind of the, the way my general operating principle started was like, okay, I, you know, this thing, like, I want to remember this and so I'm going to write it down and I sort of put it in a place that I can look over once a week or every other week. Uh, typically around sort of like when I, I once a week I'll plan out my week and kind of what, what am I going to prioritize, what decisions I'm going to make. And I'll read through that. And, you know, very frequently it's like, Oh, like I'm about to make that mistake again. <laughs> Uh, you know, for the fourteenth time, kind of thing. But if you know, if I if I have it there and it's written and I can look at it, I go, ah, like this. You know, um, I can notice that I'm doing this thing again, and I can be a little bit more uh, deliberate about it. So having those externalized, sort of written down, has been really helpful for me.
0: You've touched there on the fact that it's avoiding mistakes rather than kind of expediting successes. Is this a um, a focus on not being stupid rather than trying to be clever?
1: I think it can go either way. I guess I uh, I probably spend more time trying not to be stupid than, than trying to be clever. Um, you know, yeah, it's if you can, uh, you know, whatever, sur- survival is the first rule, right? You know, if you if you can sufficiently not make up any mistakes and I think it's interesting, um, you know, I've read a lot of books about like investing in businesses and you know, there's many, many ways to get rich and there's only a few ways to go broke. And if you can just avoid all the ways to go broke for long enough, like you can probably make it work out okay. You know, like there, there's a there's a lot of ways to do it right, but only a few ways to do it wrong. And so I guess I, my, my bias, I tend to focus on like, if I can just not make any major mistakes here, uh, I'll probably be okay.
0: Don't multiply by zero, man. No one wants to exactly. multiply by zero. And exactly, yeah.
1: So why are core values
0: and operating principles so useful? Is it just this sort of compounding of wisdom across different areas of your life? Is it just making uh, decisions less arduous?
1: Yeah, I think it is. Um, I think it's just, yeah, for me at least, it's sort of like being able to to be consistent. And I think part of it's, you know, I think you feel, um, it feels good when you're sort of, you know, quote, unquote, uh, in alignment. You know, there's a, a, this uh, story I was like, there's a, a – Author uh, me Mihai, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his name, um, but I've read a couple of his books and he has this great story talking about uh, there was a study done in the 1990s uh, where they were looking at uh, a geneticist and journalists. They looked at a bunch of different professions and they're basically seeing like who likes their job the most and why, like what makes someone like their job. And uh, journalists were like the most unhappy with their jobs, <laughs> and geneticists were the happiest. And basically what they you know their conclusion as to why that was was um, the way the incentives were structured uh, with the geneticists is everything was, was aligned. Like the geneticists really believed that if they were just doing the best science they possibly could, uh, that was most likely about the, you know, the drugs or the pharmaceuticals or whatever that were going to help the most people and would make the pharmaceutical company the most money. Right. So everyone, you know, this, if I can just do the best science I possibly can everyone else, you know, this is the best thing for everyone. And the nineties was kind of when journalism had started to uh, a lot of like big conglomerates had come in and bought these media companies. And so a lot of people that started journalism careers, cause they were like, I want to report the truth and tell important stories and all this kind of stuff were writing, you know, whatever the 1990s version of Buzzfeed kind of clickbait headlines were. And that was what got the most, uh, sold the most newspapers and so generated the most advertising revenue. But they were like deeply unhappy, uh, doing that as a job. And so in in the same way, like, I think, you know, I certainly go through periods where like, I just kind of get off course, you know, I just start like working on things or I start doing things. And it's like, this actually isn't like, I'm not really enjoying, I'm not super happy about this. I'm not kind of enjoying this. And so, you know, I, I almost think it was like, uh, think about sort of like the way a plane navigation system works. Um, you know, it, it's always going slightly off course, right? The plane is never directly on the right. You know, if you're flying from Austin to London, uh, or whatever, you know, you're always going to be slightly off course, but it's always just sort of error correction, right? It's always, it's always just making it move back. And so like in practice, it's close enough to a straight line that it, that it works well. And so like the same way here, right? I think the, the principles or the, or the core values are sort of that that navigation system that's just like, hey, like, you know, actually you, you wanted to go here. And like, if you want to change your mind and go to uh, Belarus or whatever, like you can do that. But like, let's be deliberate about the decision.
0: I love that. I love the idea of being deliberate as well. Recently had Kyle Eschenroder on talking about working out what you want to want. Uh, and so much of that is that the, pe- the things that people do are not done by design. No, it's the way that you dealt with past traumas, societal norms, genetic programming, natural predisposition, whatever, all of these different things. Very easily that can lead to you ending up in a place that you didn't want to be or even mean to end up in. And looking back on a yeah. life, looking back on a life that you regret is like, that's what we all are trying to avoid. So hopefully today we can give the listeners some tools that will help them to not lead a life that they regret. So first up, what's the difference? Between core values and operating principles.
1: Is there a difference? Yeah, so actually the concept I actually got it's from a business book uh, uh, called Work the System, but it talks about this like in the context of a company. So like, if you ever worked for a company, like usually every company has their like five or six core values, and usually they're like terrible and meaningless. It's like <laughs> integrity, right? It's like so it's like obviously you shouldn't lie to people. Um, uh, but then, uh, you know, every company, again, I think this is, you know, the same with businesses or our companies or individuals is you sort of have like implicit things and if you work for a company and you, you know, your manager, or your manager's manager, you know, like, Oh, if, if Amy, you know, Amy's my manager, Amy was looking at this, I know she would want it done this way. Right. That's, I know she has, there's a certain principle, and maybe I can't even make it explicit, but like Amy likes her Excel seats formatted in this way because it, you know, it makes it easier to read or you can make charts better. Or, um, uh, or kind of whatever it is. And so, you know, I think, uh, I guess it's maybe like the easiest to think is just sort of like a level of abstraction, like a, a value, like one for me would be something like courage. And it's, it's a fairly, it's a fairly abstract concept, right? It's, it's not like super clear in most areas, how you would apply, you know, how would you be more courageous in your relationships or how would you be more courageous at work? And you, there's, there's like lots of different ways, um, that could go. Whereas to me, like principles are a little bit less abstract and like closer to where the, um, sort of rubber meets the road. So like, you know, I always have time for, for a good friend, right? Like that, that's, that's a much cleaner, simpler thing. Like if one of my best buddies from high school calls me, like whatever's going on, I can like make time to like talk to him about, um, whatever's going on. So that's the sort of the more explicit, um, we call them like heuristics, like a rule of thumb, right? Like a, if this, then that, if this happens, then I do that. It's kind of an operating principle, whereas a value is going to be more like, yeah, like a courage or uh, integrity is a bad one, I think, because like everyone should probably <laughs> have integrity, but, but that sort of level of abstraction. Yeah, there's some
0: core values which shouldn't be able, uh, they, they shouldn't be listed as a core value. They should just be, an accepted entry requirement for being a human, and that's someone that says honesty is a core value. It's like, well, what's the fucking opposite? Yeah. It's like, what? How's honesty? Honesty isn't a core value. Honesty is just the thing that you do. It's like one of my, oh, one of my core values happens to be breathing. Like, no, it it's just it's how you literally how you continue within the world. Um, I like the idea of the of the levels of abstraction. I think that's a good a good way to to sort of split the two apart, it's a little bit like um, core values are the ingredients and operating principles are the meals that you can make from those ingredients, right? You can make multiple different meals from some of the ingredients that you've got, but the ingredients do actually influence, you know, if you've not got any dough, you can't make a pizza, you might not be a pizza guy, but if you've got tons of whatever it might be, you can make a different sort of a meal. Um, Sure. Can you tell us what your core values are? That'd be quite cool.
1: Yeah, I have, uh, now I have them written down because I actually forget them, which I think is case in point about writing them down. But um, <laughs> you know, uh, I think one for me is like uh, agency, and that's just kind of like um, uh, it's important to me. It's a core value that I have a lot of control over, sort of how I live my life. You know, like I guess a lot of the ways these things sort of develop to me is just noticing things that like bothered me, or just just ways in which you behave differently. And so I just find like most most people could like put up with like a bad job or someone they didn't like. I just couldn't put up with it. You know, I would just like 15 minutes in a conversation with someone I didn't like, like I just couldn't suck it up and deal with it and talk to them for the next hour at the conference or whatever. Like I just had to get out of there. Um, you know, whatever would just do the Irish goodbye and like walk out of the conversation and, uh, and go for it. Um, so agency sort of choosing how I live and, uh, and helping others do likewise. Um, like self-development in some capacity and like kind of like learning has always been like very important to me like i i if i don't read for long enough i get like very cranky my wife will tell me to like go away and like take some time just like do a little bit of reading taylor
0: leave leave the kitchen go and grab a book you're on the naughty step with your book for 15 minutes until you come back yeah that's right
1: but then i'm in a much better i'll come back and i'm just like oh was so interesting i really enjoyed that thanks um yeah courage was one i mentioned that's another one that um that has come up for me a lot and i think applies in sort of there's a lot of different areas of my life where i found that i was basically unhappy because i felt like i was lacking kind of courage in retrospect um i think sorry so uh, there.
0: am i right in saying that courage was one of the ones that you put where you didn't feel like it was something you necessarily did naturally but was a guiding value which helped you to operate more effectively when you had it is that that one
1: yeah and yes. I, don't, I don't know how typical that is to me or or in general, but you know as like you face some challenging decision, you're like, oh, maybe I'd rather not make this decision or I'd rather sort of make the, mm. the easier path but you know there were, at some point it became clear like if I reflected on past decisions, like you know typically the more courageous choice I was happy with in retrospect. That's really interesting. So I
0: remember reading the blog post the first time I read it uh, around about Christmas time and thinking that was a really clever way to identify one of your values. Because what's quite easy to do here is to um, reverse engineer, this is the sort of person that I am, therefore these are the five values which are most close to the person that I am. It's like, I am a person that is, you know, if your list of 67 was a list of 5,000 and it had all the bad stuff in there as well, it's like, I'm a person who is shy and timid and uh easily irritated and blah 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 you know quick to judgment and all this sort of stuff um what you've done is you've set a north star for something that you want to be not necessarily a, a, an existing disposition that you have you know like that's the the agency thing is something that is inherent and inbuilt into you whereas the courage thing is something that you are looking to try and put more of into your life right
1: yeah, and I think, you know, I guess those two, just as we're talking, I'm, I'm thinking about it, um, you know, something that's been sort of uh, very influential on me, there's a guy named uh, Joseph Campbell, you know, I've talked to talked him before, he's a, uh, he was a professor, I think in like the 70s and 80s, uh, but he wrote a book called um, Hero with a Thousand Faces, and then he kind of became well-known, uh, to the extent he was well-known, he was kind of the influence on George Lucas of the writing of Star Wars, that he had studied all these sort of like ancient myths uh, religious stories like, you know, Bible, Northwestern, uh, Native American, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and this idea of the hero with a thousand faces is all these, these myths across all these different cultures are actually telling a very similar story. There's a certain structure underlying the story. Um, and the reason that's evolved in all these different cultures is because it's, um, it's a way of sort of teaching people, uh, how to deal with various things in their life, right? You can read these stories, you read a good like fiction book or, um, this kind of thing, and you can, say, you can see how it could apply to your life. Oh, like I'm not dealing with this exact problem, but um, something like that. And one of the key, and so he broke it down into um, twelve stages of this the hero's journey. That you know, the hero confronts a problem, they set off on a challenge, they overcome difficulties, uh, and they come back, and then they bring their knowledge to the world, and they're sort of like teaching. Right? And you can like see this in Star Wars. You can see this in the Bible. Like this is very sort of like um, universal. Uh, mythology but at at the moment sort of I think it's like the third stage in the way he describes it is uh, what he calls the refusal of the call that you have something that's calling you uh, you know okay like uh, if you're like Luke in Star Wars right it's like uh, he's being called by Obi-Wan to like go on this quest and do this thing he's like no I have to stay on the Tatooine unwilling hero and yeah take care of my parents and I can't go off with you and then eventually you have the crossing of the threshold right where the hero accepts the call to adventure and they step into this new world of you know and this out of star wars it's like if you remember the scene where luke goes to um this like weird bar and there's like all these aliens there and it's like crazy and he's like never seen all these different um sort of things but you can think about that as sort of like a metaphorical thing. So anyway going back to this idea of like uh, agency and courage right it's that you know uh, I, I realized, in retrospect, those those times when I sort of approached the threshold. You know, there were times I had turned away, and there were times I had chosen to cross the threshold. I had had some courage to say, I'm gonna step into this unknown world um, and do something. Yeah, you know, sometimes the unknown world is uh, something that it's seemingly quite small like you know going to a different school whatever it's going to be um but in all those cases that was meaningful and so you know i i sort of could reflect on those past experiences and say actually this thing when i when i sort of have courage in this capacity when i accept this uh this call to adventure uh that ends up working out very well for me you know in retrospect right i can look at major life turning points and, and they all sort of had that uh that archetype in common
0: yeah so that's a Predisposition before making a good choice tends to be something which comes just before a prelude to that. So, okay, we got the first three. What else have you got?
1: Um, so, Soul in the Game is another one uh, for me. And this, I guess this one is a bit new. I got this from um, there's a guy named Nassim Taleb who's written a few books. Probably the most famous is a book called The Black Swan. He was a financial trader. Uh, But he talks about this idea of, you know, there's skin in the game, which is kind of like Hammurabi's code, right? It's like it's an eye for an eye. It's like if you're going to the way in like ancient Babylonia, there are certain rules like if you uh, if you built a house and the house collapsed and killed the people inside, you would also be killed. Right. So you were very incentivized to make sure the house was a good house. Right. Or, you know, if you're if you're the architect building the bridge, you have to live under the bridge. Right. You want to make sure that the bridge does what you say, the bridge. Um, money while is going to is, do. Right? Yeah. And it's, it's, the idea is there should be a, a symmetry and risk, right? Like you shouldn't be uh, allowing others to take risk uh, for you, right? You should have the same experience. If I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm building houses. Like it's not fair that I'm going to live in a house built by someone else that's better at it than me. And I'm going to put everyone else in my crappy house that I don't know what I'm doing. And you know, they're going to be at risk or whatever. Um, and so soul in the game is kind of an extension of that concept. It's when uh, it's when you take on risk for others. Right. And, you know, I think, you know, you do this with uh, a friend or people in your family or whatever it is, it's they, you know, they have something going on and, and you bear some of that, uh, that burden or that, um, that risk for them. So that's, that's kind of the idea of, um, of soul in the game. And again, that was sort of a, I, I got that from his book and I really liked it. And then I sort of, ref, again, kind of reflect on, it. I was like, you know, when I, when I sort of do this, when I'm, um, when I have skin in the game, when I have soul in the game, and have that risk that I just feel better, you know, I can, uh, I just feel better about it, right? Like, I just feel confident what I'm doing. That's cool, and what's last, is it five you've got? Uh, five, yeah, and the last one is just reciprocity, um, to create more value than I capture. You know, there's a, uh, I got that from, um, and you know, you can see a lot of these, I, I basically borrowed from other people, and they resonated for some reason or another, and, um, and I put them down, but um, the, Tim O'Reilly from O'Reilly Media is a big, they do sort of like tech publishing books, and they had some funny moment. I think they had published a book on like uh C++ programming language. And they got an email from this guy that was like, I just sold a five billion dollar company based on your like fifty dollar book on C plus that I read and then built this software into. Uh, so they were joking. They were like, "Well, at least we create more create more value than we capture, right?" Like you know, oh we spawned God. this five billion company and made fifty dollars, and that's an extreme example. But I think it's like, yeah, like that 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 to me seemed like an important principle, right? Like I want I want there to be sort of more value created than I'm just capturing myself. You want it to be a sort of net positive. That's beautiful, man.
0: I mean, you know, if you've got those things as the foundation to your life that sits below the building you build on top of it, or as the ingredients that are going in, you know, if those are the ingredients, I challenge you to make a shit meal out of that. I think it's going to be challenging to have a shit meal as long as you stick to those good ingredients and you build out of those. Um So mine, I did mine um when I followed the exercise that you have on your blog, and everyone that's listening, it'll be linked in the show notes below. I Really, really highly suggest that once you finish listening to this podcast, you go and do the five, the core values exercise. Could take, you said 15 minutes, which it might take someone 15 minutes, but it took me a couple of days because getting it down to five, it wasn't hard finding them. It was reducing it down to five. And I'm like, oh, I can't get rid of that one. I can't, I can't. Like I can't get rid of that one. That's the, the uh, that's the, the that's that one. So, but anyway, I managed I managed to get it down. And mine spelled out an acronym, which actually helped me to bypass the forgetting them.
1: Oh, uh, that that's smart. Yeah,
0: I know. Um, so it spells out cases, C A S E S. So curiosity uh, to be curious to explore myself and the world around me to meet new people. Uh, A adventure to um, see new places, do new things. Uh, I want to live life to the fullest. Uh, S was actually a, a steal from you about the soul in the game, which was where you'd taken a concept and then reworked it, and it was selfless development. So it was to improve myself, learn how to operate effectively, and then teach others what I have learned. Uh, e, excellence, um, to make the most of minutes. I want to be precise with my thoughts, words, and actions. I want to fulfill my potential. Uh, and then the final S was self-care. In order to be everything that I need to be for everyone else, I need to look after myself first and foremost. Um, and having those, having that, those five principles, man, at the start of the year has made a really profound impact because every time that I'm faced with one of the thousand inquisition inquisition-sized questions that we ask ourselves about, do I go for a walk? Do I go to bed on time? Do I get up on time? Do I hit the snooze button? Do I look at my phone while I'm in the car? Do I do whatever it might be? Like all of these different things. I'm like, well, okay, how does it, how does it apply to these? And having the balance and i think this is why the cutting the chopping um task was so difficult because you understand that the balancing act's quite important as well if you're going to have a maximum of five so for instance for me excellence actually is really really applicable to a lot of the different things but curiosity kind of guides the direction so excellence can kind of be how curiosity and adventure are in motion and finding that balance but yeah everyone that's listening you need to go and do the values exercise. If you can do it in the space of an hour, I'll be really, really impressed. Maybe you just happen to look upon it, but you give, uh, it's like a big chunk of like 70 potentials and then other people can add their own in. Um, but dude, I, I think it's a really lovely way to kind of just reset the way that you operate within the world, right? Ensure that you are aligned. As you said, that your thoughts, words, and actions are aligned with actually who you want to be, who you are.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting. I do I'm curious. Like, I know I found, I sort of sat down and did these once and I remember particularly like the soul in the game one, I kind of remember kind of coming to that and like, actually, like, I see this is really important to me. And uh, I find when I, when I would sort of write these down that as I said, like I would, I would sometimes be applying them to one part of my life, but not others. And I just remember it's sort of like, I would have to, I would reprocess everything. Right? like, Oh, like I'm doing this over here in this relationship and I'm doing this over here at work and I'm doing this in this other work project. And, like, it, it's congruent here, but it's not congruent, you know, in one of these uh, two places. And so, like, having an external, arm, every time I would sort of like, write one of these down, I'd be like, oh, I gotta, like, think through everything again a little bit. You know, just sort of, like, reprocess, like, oh, like, the reason I'm unhappy about this is actually because, you know, I'm, I'm avoiding, you know, some difficult conversation instead of being courageous about it or whatever it is.
0: That third-party perspective makes a big difference, right? Treating yourself as if you're someone you're responsible for helping.
1: Yeah, I think it is a useful kind of construct, right? As you can sort of separate um, yourself, the thinker, from yourself, the the actor, to some extent.
0: Yeah, that one and two um, level. It's man. It, it's just uh It's so. It's so interesting to me to see how this rolls forward in people's lives because everyone that's listening knows what their mum's or their sisters or their partner's core values are. Sometimes they're actually living really, really bad core values. Like, um, I constantly concern myself with what what other people think of me. Like, so that would be like a a, a hyper awareness or a hyper kind of self consciousness or whatever it might be. And if you, you, by writing them out and having them there, it's almost like a, um, a checklist, right? That you got to go through. It's like, right, are you, are you doing this? Are you being courageous? Are you having soul in the game, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so moving on to the operating principles of which you've got 37 and these are so cool and I absolutely love the idea of creating this kind of compounding library, uh, like iterating on lessons and things, principles that you can do. So could you talk about sort of where you started with this? Can you remember that story as well from, was it, were you in Vietnam or Thailand or something like
1: that? Uh, yeah, I want. I was uh, a friend of mine. It was actually my roommate at the time. I think, in, again, like one of these sort of uh, daily decisions. It was like, I think Friday afternoon at like 3 p.m. and he was like going to the beach. And he was like, do you want to go to the beach? And this was like agonizing because I was like, well, yeah, I kind of want to go to the beach and like hang out and like chill out and have a drink and, and whatever. I was like, But I also like have this like work project that I like, said I was going to do on Saturday and like I haven't worked out this week so I should like probably stay and. Workout tomorrow. And, um, so I was just, you know, it's like from three to 4 PM on Friday, I'm saying there's, and it's, you know, to some extent it's like, it doesn't matter that much, right? Like this individual decision, uh, doesn't matter, but, um, you know, I compounded, it does matter, right? Like if you, if you miss one workout, like it doesn't really matter if you miss every workout, uh, it, it matters a lot. Um, and so, I started, uh, I was like, okay, I, I need to like have some way to like make these decisions better, right? Like it's, I, I mean, I'm spending like an inordinate amount of time, you know, deliberating on these, uh, these sorts of things. And, you know, again, like it's, this, this one in particular doesn't matter. Right. Like, and, uh, I think I, I, did, I ended up not going to the beach, but had I gone to the beach, like it's not the trajectory of my life would not have been meaningfully different had all the sort of other things stayed the same. Um, and so I, I sat down that weekend and I think I wrote sort of like the first version And at the time. It was maybe like six to 10, um, sort of operating principles. Uh, and they were just sort of like things that at that point in my life, uh, I had in my head. Right. You know, I, and I think one of them was sort of this idea of kind of like an integrated, Life, like my bias is I tend to just get really sucked into uh, usually my work and like what I'm doing professionally. And like I mean, this, and it happens to me all the time. Uh, Two months ago, I like, I track sort of my um, how many work hours, and I was like doing 80 to 90 hour weeks. And I was just like at the computer all the time. And I was like, I can't, you know, I can't do this, right? Like, this is not. Um, this is not sustainable. Um, and then what I would do is I I just put the, I have them in an Excel spreadsheet and I'll look at them uh, usually like every Saturday morning I sort of plan my weeks out. I sort of do a weekly review and weekly planning first thing Saturday morning. And um, I would just notice you know I would again like these certain mistakes right I would just do the same dumb thing over and over and over and I'd be like oh I should like stop doing uh, I stop doing that dumb thing or you know the inverse it's like ah oh, like when I do this thing like I'm really Happy about it, and it like works out really well for me. I should just like do that thing, um, kind of more consistently. So you know, periodically, weeks when those things came up to me, I would sort of add them to the list of like, here's sort of another kind of operating principle that I find. You know, I can look in multiple instances in my life where where following this was beneficial.
0: So we've touched on the integrated life, which is one of your uh, operating principles. What are some of the others that stand out to you as the most important, or that you rely on the most, or just ones that you love?
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, the other one I sure talked about this idea of the hero's journey and, the uh, the crossing the threshold. There's uh, a book called the war of art that I really like uh, by a guy named Steve Pressfield. He's, um, he wrote, uh, the legend of Bagger Van came a movie about the golfer. Uh, he has a couple other famous books about, um, like I think Spartan uh, sort of Spartan war or whatever, but he wrote this book about his sort of journey to becoming a writer. And he talked about this idea of the resistance, right? That we all have this voice in the back of our head. Whenever you're sitting out to do something new, new that says, you know, you can't do it right. Whether you're going to start exercising or doing yoga or start a business or write a book or uh, have a relationship, whatever it is. You just like, no, you can't do this. Like this is going to suck. And so he talked about sort of his own journey as a writer of like, Uh, having this resistance in the back of his head, that he was basically bumming around and like waiting tables and doing a bunch of odd jobs for a decade. And he was like, this was just the resistance kind of kicking my ass, right? Like I just was getting beat down by this thing. And so part of his thing is, you know, we all need to sort of uh, fight, fight the resistance. You know, you you go to war with the resistance. You have to see where in your life is kind of that resistance. Where is the resistance? And um, you know, how can you, how can you sort of like lean into that, right? Lean into whatever that thing is that you can, uh, feel yourself avoiding. And so that, that, you know, that was a good one for me because I, I, having read that book, the sense for what he meant by the, by the resistance, right? and that does that word doesn't mean that in a normal context. But if you, if you read the book, you get the sense for like, I can feel that. Right. And, um, you know, that's a question like I ask myself every week, you know, where, where am I avoiding the resistance, right? Where are the areas that I'm avoiding the resistance? And, uh, it, I mean, it comes up very frequently, you know, I'm avoiding a difficult conversation with a business partner or, Or, you know, I'm avoiding uh, letting go of a client because of blah, you know, whatever it is. Um, So that one, um, that one stands out
0: to me. That's awesome, Like especially because our uh, evolutionary predisposition is to avoid change, right? Like we, we try actively, we don't want to do the new thing because the new thing might have a tiger in it or the new thing might have a snake hiding under it or whatever it might be. Plus it's expensive, you know, energy-wise and cognitively, and I always use this same example. But um, I posted about your Uda um, Loop blog post oh, yeah. a while ago, dude. I've nearly finished. Uh, I've nearly finished the book on John Boyd as well. The um, one of the biographies, the Rubber
1: Corum. Yeah, no, great. It's book. massive though. It's so long. It just yeah. keeps
0: on going. Um, anyway, uh, this particular way of doing uh, decision making and, and kind of, um, reflecting on, on, on the way that you operate within the world. And I can like post some stuff up about that, which is a game changer, right? I really love it. I love the idea of that. Post that up. No one cares. Every time that I post up me using Alpha Brain by Onit, which is a nootropic, <laughs> my inbox gets exposed dude is this any i'm like that's the resistance there the resistance is that the the trick is the five minute booty blaster ab at home dvd for six pack abs in 20 seconds that's what that's what because uh hey man I'm, i'm really struggling with my motivation or my procrastination to get this thing done for university okay um what's what's the best productivity app? Should I use rescue time or should I actually be doing freedom tied in with Pomodoros and blah, blah? And I'm like, do you have your phone out at your desk? Yes. Right. Is that another, you know, like it's staring you in the face. But again, it's that, it's the resistance, right? And it's often the things that we don't want to do. And then when you layer on top of that, that a lot of what we do is just signaling both to ourselves in terms of self-deception and to other people to make them think that we're doing a thing and that we're actually in control it is increasingly as i read more and more evolutionary psychology i realize that externalizing the the way that we operate is almost mandatory because like if you make a decision based on just like what you think at the time it's almost definitely going to be wrong like the fact that we don't get hit by open traffic on a daily basis is a bit of a miracle you know like why we just there's just your decision making is awful at the time yeah It's terrible. Um, I'll tell you one of the ones that I absolutely adore, which I've started using. Number 20, I go into Terminator mode at 85% complete. Once I get to 85% complete, I start obsessively focusing on the project that's 85% complete. The mind will play all sorts of tricks on me if I let it. Trying to seduce me into doing something unrelated or new. I never give in to that. I get hungry and focused when I get to 85% complete. I get it done. Sebastian Marshall.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I, I mentioned you mentioned I got that from um, from my friend Sebastian, but I liked that. You know, I this kind of placing into the resistance, but I don't know. I, f- I feel like everyone deals with this. You get when you start thinking about you get to that stage of the project where you start thinking about other people judging it, right? Like other people thinking about it, you, your your head just starts to play all these little tricks on you. It's like, well, maybe this isn't the appropriate thing for you to do at this point with where the brand is going, and you know, maybe just put this on the shelf for a little while and like do the. Um, the other thing, or even, you know, I notice uh, I write like a weekly newsletter and maybe from the time I start writing to the time I'm done, maybe it's two hours, you know, it's not that long, but at like 90 minutes, I'm like, nah, I don't don't know if this one's good. Like, maybe I'll just skip this issue. This one kind of sucks. Uh, and I'll just like wait and uh, and do the next issue. And it's, I mean, it's like, I don't know how many I've published. 300 something articles on, on the internet. And it's like every article basically was the exact same thing. Right? Like maybe there was like two. Uh, you know, yeah. Like may, maybe two. Of them, I was like, Oh, that was really good. But like most of them I'm like, no, nah, this probably sucks. Like, I don't know. Like, I could just kind of like go for it. Uh, kind of thing. And so that again, like that was a mistake I saw myself making over and over. And I was like, okay. And then, you know, I was talking to Sebastian. I was like, that's a great rule, right? Like if it gets to 85%, if you get that close to getting it done, like you just, you just do it right. Um, the other way I've heard it phrased is, you know, take take the take the roast out of the oven or take the turkey out of an oven. You know, if you cook a turkey 80% of the way, it's totally useless, right? You can't you can't eat an 80% of the way cooked turkey. Right, it might as well be raw. So like, just finish cooking the turkey. And like, even if it's not the best turkey, like that's okay. Like, At least you, you got it. You can just use it to make soup or something. You know, you've got something you can yeah. uh, you can start with.
0: That's awesome, man. What else you got? What else are some of your favorites from your operating principles that stand out?
1: Um, Yeah, I think another one that I come back to a lot is this idea of um, uh, kind of like power laws or sort of how you you frame decisions. I think like the, we tend to think of, you know, you talked about like resistance to change, but like we tend to think of things in like uh, as like relatively incremental, right? Like I'm doing something this way, maybe I can make it like, um, five or ten percent uh, better, and the idea of a power law. Power law is like a a ten x improvement, right? And so it's if, as this force and function. Like, how what would it look like if this was like ten times better, um, or you know, ten times more, whatever the thing you want it to be is? Um, and as a, it, it forces you to think about it differently, right? You know, if you're you're um, running a business and you get uh, your customers because you go to meetups in your local city or whatever, you can't go to 10 times as many meetups, right? Like it just won't, there's, there's no way just doing more. You can't just do 10 times more of what you're doing. There's not enough time. So you have to think about, you know, it, it forces you to, to reframe it's like, well, okay, like, you know, should I, do I hire people to go to meetups? Do I also do this other thing? It, it forces, I think, this sort of, um, it's a forcing function of, um, you know, how to think about things, uh, differently, and I find that's often, you know, my my bias is to just kind of like grind away, right? Like I'll just keep running away at this and like maybe it'll get 5% better <laughs> this year and, and whatever. And, you know, there's something to be said for that at some point, but, you know, you also need to have this thing of like, you know, what would it look like to to sort of make this thing 10 times better in, in some capacity? And usually that means kind of reinventing the thing from the ground up.
0: Yeah, it's challenging that though. We often, I often talk about this at work that, the boys, I run a, a nightclub events company, I've done for 14 years, and a lot of the boys will come in and continue to grind away with the same strategy that got them a shit score for their team last week and the week before and the week before and the week before and the week before. And I'm like, man, like, if anything, what you've done is proven to yourself that this particular strategy is ineffective at achieving the goal that you want. Like, right. this is an identifier. This is you constantly stepping on a mine then getting an artificial limb refitted next, each week and then going, wow, that mine. I know, I know the last like five times I've done it, that's happened, but this time might be different. And it is, is that just that there's a, there's a cost, there's a, a challenge with that orthogonal lateral thinking? Do you think that's, that's a big part of it? That we like to routinize stuff, therefore we continue to grease the groove we've, we're already in?
1: yeah I, I don't know why i mean i wonder part of it's like uh as you said just there's some just like resistance to change like you know the way you're doing it's not working but it's not working in a fairly predictable uh way I right know like,
0: this isn't working i this know this is gonna this fail isn't... but
1: it's not gonna fail in some spectacular embarrassing terrible way it's just gonna fail in a very normal predictable way and like i think and i guess that's true right like a lot of times it's like i would rather people would rather fail in some, you know, they'd rather have it go badly in some predictable way than, like, take some risk. Like, well, if I um, try doing it this the, weird, different way, it could, it could spectacularly go yep. wrong, right? Like, this could end really badly.
0: Right? This, is, this is why I think people have a um, aversion to driverless cars or self-driving cars. I think people would much sooner be killed at the, mer- at the behest of a human than survive at the mercy of a robot. Like, they just think, oh, oh well, like, there's a lot more. Look at every single stat that you've got. Every single statistic about how many road deaths are, especially in America, it's crazy. Total number of road deaths that occurs, like, it's a real big number. You think it, if we had all of the appropriate technology moving forward, we think we could reduce road deaths by, and it's some stupid margin, that's, like, 80%, 90%, something like that. Yeah. Um. But there's an aversion to it. It's like, why? Well, like you know, the deaths that we do have, like the mistakes that I do make, at least I know that it's like mine to bear. I don't know, but I think that's, I think that's a lot of it. It's that sort of existing paradigms, right? People don't like new.
1: Yeah, I think there's, there's like the evolutionary psychology they take theirs and right? It's like if you go, if I go forage over here, it kind of sucks, and I just barely get enough food to to live. But like, there's no lions hiding in the bushes over there, right? Whereas like, if I go to this other place, it could be way better. But, like, there could be a lion in the bush or there could be, like, poisonous snakes or, like, whatever it is. So, like, maybe... Uh, and, like, I think there's... I think that's, it's hard to parse out because, like, there is some wisdom in that, right? Like, if it is going to fail... Don't multiply some, like, by zero. We said, truly, it start,
0: we said it at the start.
1: Right. If there's a there's a lion hiding in the, the bushes, like, you shouldn't go there, right? Like, it doesn't matter how delicious the berries are on the other side of the lion. Like, it's not worth it, <laughs> yeah, you know? don't go
0: through the lion. Uh, yeah.
1: you, you don't go through the lion. But I think it's, there is... You know, particularly for myself, and I think this is generally true, like, uh, you know, you, you get hung up on other people's perception of of whatever it is, right? Like the, the quote unquote lion is something more like, you know, my friends are going to think I'm dumb or the people at this venue are going to think I'm dumb uh, or whatever it is. And like, that's that's scary. Again, like I think the evolutionary psychology explanation here makes some sense, right? It's like if you get thrown out of the tribe and you're left on the savannah all by yourself, like, you're screwed right so like you got to even even if you're not it's not the best thing like you got to make sure that the tribe kind of likes you and i think one of the one of the nice things about the present day and you know the internet is like you kind of get to pick your tribe right fuck the tribe you kind of get to figure out who you want to hang out with
0: yeah um how should people so the core values we've got that in an exercise that people can go and do on your blog but the operating principles are a little bit more iterative right it's kind of a a compounding library that you acquire yourself as you see things. So how would you advise someone? Someone says, fucking hell, that Taylor guy told me I need some core values and operating principles, and I haven't got any. Like, how do I start compiling my operating principles? What should they do?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, you can link to the article, but, like, read mine, read other people's, and, like, maybe you get some idea. And, I like, as a lot of mine, as you, you know, you quoted the Terminator one from Sebastian, like, that actually wasn't my idea, right? Like I, he just said that and I was like, oh, yeah, actually, like if I did that, things would work out better for me and I should kind of just start doing that. Um, so I think, yeah, you can use it from other people. And then I think uh, having just some sort of reminder, I don't know, once a, once a week, once a month where you sit down and you, you read over whatever you have and you think about like, is there something else that I would – Uh, Add to this lesson. That's my I think mine. uh, I sort of have my internal version. That's maybe like 45 or 50 now But I don't know maybe every year I find like three to five right like it just kind of slowly incrementally uh, Grows as you know new things come up for me.
0: That's awesome. I'm gonna give you a couple of mine So I've only been working on I haven't taken any of yours although a lot of yours are phenomenal Um, But I've been building mine up in preparation as soon as we put this podcast in so one of them is uh, from Ethan Suppley guy that was in The Butterfly Effect, and my name is Earl. He was on the podcast two weeks ago. And um, he's got this thing from a coach that taught him martial arts called No Bad Reps. And basically it's that you're always drilling something. In a Hmm. very, very real way, from a neurological perspective, everything is a habit. Whether you choose to continue to do an existing good habit, break the good habit, do a bad habit, break the bad habit – Everything you do is building an action which is more likely to occur in future. And there's this um, the partitioned brain approach, which is in uh, "Why Buddhism Is True" by Robert Wright, and he talks about the uh, modular brain. Sorry, um, and he talks about that as well. That it's like which module wins? Does the I eat a cookie module win, or does the I don't does the I tra- uh, decide to go to the gym sure. or not? And um, Ethan's coach from martial arts is saying like you're going to do this movement. You can either drill it and make the next time that you do it compound on something that's better, or you can do it with poor technique. And next time you've got to undo that. Plus then try and get yourself better again. So no bad reps. And I thought that was just like a, a sick operating principle. And it was like quite cool that it was just sort of three words. Um, and then, Another one from Naval, and this is uh, linked with Tiago Forte, who his most successful tweet of all time. Uh, Naval's is escape competition with authenticity. No one can beat you at being you. Um, and then uh, Tiago has you can't compete with someone who's having fun. Um, but escape competition with authenticity. No one can beat you at being you is just it ties in so much of the stuff that I, I've learned from doing this podcast and speaking to cool interesting people like you and um the fact that your competitive advantage is your unique mix of background and talents and the the funny way that you pronounce the letter t and you know all all the stuff the fact that you wake up and your back hurts everything that you have coalesces to become your unique offering to the world and that is your competitive advantage because it's your ability for authenticity. So those are those are my the two that I've got for now, the no bad reps and the escape competition with authenticity.
1: I like that. I think it is useful to sort of borrow them from other, like the no bad reps, right? Like obviously that's applying to like martial arts or exercise or whatever, but you can't, it's, it's fairly easy to sort of like generalize that to uh, other things, right? You know, whatever you're you're working on a podcast or an article, like you don't sort of, every, everything is like some level of focus, right? Like I'm not gonna just like mail it in on this one.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so one of the things I wanted to touch on before we finished was you got this really interesting article about the truth about working smarter, not harder. Could you take us through that? The I think you you say that there's five. There's only three ways to work smarter, not harder. But then when you read the article, there's five. Uh,
1: well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> truth in
0: advertising. <laughs> that's fine. Well, that's that's what how you sign up and you think you were just getting three. But actually, it's bonus yeah it's actually he' the DVD extras so um prioritize tasks by energy level what's that mean
1: um yeah so I think like one way you think about like sort of how many I'm gonna have this much time this much work in the week we tend to tend to chunk it up into time um, I think it's it's probably more useful to think about it in terms of energy so I like, got uh, for me like 9 a.m to 12 p.m. in the morning like my productive output at that time relative to say 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. at night is like a factor of 10. Like it's vastly better. Like I've never in my life created anything useful after 10 p.m. at <laughs> night. Right? Like it's just nothing, nothing, nothing good happens there. Like basically everything has been, you know, between nine and, um, and 12 kind of thing. And so I, most people don't, you just wake up in the morning and you're just like, I just start kind of doing the things I got to do. Right. And like, you know, for example, like for me it's like if I started and I just like do a bunch of administrative stuff at the first thing in the morning now like my best energy when I like my head was clear and everything was straight I just spent like sorting out my bookkeeping or or, you know whatever you know trying to set an appointment with someone that you know isn't coordinating well or whatever it is uh and you know it's just like it's a bad use of that time and so like that kind of thing it's like I'll do that at like five o'clock in the afternoon because like I'm tired the, you know it's i've already done a bunch of stuff in the day i can like call the fedex guy and like coordinate the delivery uh and like that's fine it's not it's sort of energy so thinking about like what are the things you want to do you know writing for me is a big one that's like a high energy thing right so i try to when i'm looking at sort of how i'm organizing my time right like i want to have that in big blocks in the morning protect that uh, and then i want to sort of organize everything else um, around that kind of stuff
0: cool okay i, uh, I, I really like that idea man i think it's one of the it's a unifying no matter whether you're coming in from gtd or whether you're an ooda loop guy or whether you're the optimizing for optionality dude or whatever it might be like no matter what your approach is prioritizing uh matching the task with the energy level is definitely right and you you know someone else might be i've never created anything useful in my life before 3 p.m Everybody, a buddy alex o'connor sure. uh, alex o'connor that runs the cosmic skeptic uh youtube channel and um his his university, like sleep and wake cycle, makes me feel physically ill. Like he he starts writing his Oxford University theology and philosophy essays at ten eleven p.m. It's like he he starts winding up for work at that time, totally. and, then, and then he'll go to bed at like five a.m. or six a.m. But he'll go into his halls of residence or whatever in Oxford, and um go to his uh uh Hallmates down the down the hall at two a.m. and play piano as a break for thirty minutes. Like his hallmate will be also be up at that time and they'll do a bit of piano. And I'm thinking two thirty in the morning. Go to bed. Okay. go to bed. But that's for him that's the cadence that works right. So he's matching his energy with the tasks that he's doing. Even apparently playing the piano. Uh, so your second your second one is uh, learn new skills. How can that help us work smarter not harder?
1: Yeah, I think I mean this one is maybe the the simplest or the the most obvious, but um, like being deliberate about maybe like, I like this idea of like uh, of no bad reps. I, I was thinking about this. My my first job was in marketing. That's sort of my, my original professional background. And I would meet these people that had you know quote unquote five years of marketing experience and would just do like really dumb you know something that not someone what would, you wouldn't know like off the street or whatever. But like if you'd been working in a career for 5 years like you should have learned some things uh, about like how things uh, work there. Dude
0: that is the quote that is the quote of, that I want to take away from this podcast. If you've been working in a career for 5 years you should have learned some things. Like right. that's it. That you should have learned some things and yet the so right. people that have been in a career for 5 years and are just like a slightly less shit version of the person that they were when they joined.
1: Right um and i think it's yeah it's like I, in like in any field like market like there's like i don't know five or ten books maybe that you could like read on marketing and like that's like probably 70 percent of the stuff you need to know like it's not uh, like at least the sort of like fundamentals uh are the basics kind of thing so just like you know i think it's particularly if you whatever you're doing like if you're if you're reading about something and you're doing it at the same time you get that really tight feedback loop right you're like i'm reading about how to to do some, mark, you know, email marketing or whatever. And then I'm, like, working on doing the email marketing. I think, oh, actually, like, well, what about this problem that I just ran into? And, and then, you know, you can go back and forth. And that that sort of loop of um, of practicing and, and reading, it's much more productive than sort of either of those in isolation.
0: Got you. Um, The third one, use popular productivity hacks, which everyone on this podcast will be very, very familiar with. What's your current productivity setup in terms of the apps that you're most reliant on?
1: Uh, I wrote, really, there's an app called Focusmate that I like a lot, which is basically uh virtual coworking. And so you basically pick a time, uh, whatever, 11 AM and it matches you with someone somewhere else in the world that wants to do a 50 minute work session. And it's basically just like a video call. You get on there and they have some like protocols that they ask people to follow on the platform, but it matches you with someone. You say like, hi, my name's Taylor. I'm going to be working on, uh, you know, writing the first half of my newsletter, uh, in this session. And I find that, um, I used to have, at various times we sort of had like writing buddies where, you know, we'd go meet and we sit in a coffee shop for two hours or they'd come to my place. or I go to theirs and that like social pressure is just like we, it just works for, I mean, I think it works for almost everyone, but like it certainly works for me. Right. When I know that person in like 50 minutes is going to say like, did you do the newsletter? And then I <laughs> tell them like, no, like it's just gonna, i like, I should just do the newsletter. Cause I don't want to like tell them I didn't do the newsletter. um, so, yeah, that, that's a big one for me um, right now. I do That's kind of like a version. I think you mentioned sort of like the Pomodoro technique is sort of like breaking things down into chunks, right? So that, that's a 50-minute chunk. I think typically Pomodoro is like 25 minutes, but having this sort of like deliberate uh, blocks, and then I'll go, whatever, go for a walk, stretch, uh, have a chat with someone.
0: That's cool. I, um, like, I, like, the idea, I like the idea of that guy. Um, next up, you said you use software and automation. How can you use that to be smarter, not harder?
1: yeah i um again like this is, some of this stuff seems sort of um obvious, but like you know computers are much more reliable than humans for doing things you know generally and in, including yourself right and so you if you can get a computer to do uh something for you that will usually work better so like as a simple example uh I use a text expander app and what that is is you type in uh like uh one of the ones I use is a comma chat. G-H-A-T. And it pulls out on this thing and says, hi, I'd love to set up a time to talk with you. Let me know what some times that are convenient are, are you for? If you'd like to go ahead and book a time, I have my availability here, right? And because I, I, you know, I do that, whatever, twice a day, every day, forever. <laughs> um and, and then it sends, and then it, again and, and it, instead of like spending five emails back and forth trying to figure out time to work it, you know they have all these calendar apps now i use one called calendly there's a bunch of them uh but it just like syncs up with my google calendar and the person can say you know taylor's free at these times and they book um you talked about whatever uh, time they want.
0: you talked about upwork and like tiny hands as well do you do you outsource much of the stuff that you do or are you quite sort of siloed
1: uh, I do. Yeah. There's an app called fancy hands. It's like, I think you pay like five minutes per 20 to 30 minute tasks kind of thing. Um, so I do try and use, there's just like a lot of stuff that like, they just, I just can't figure out a good way to get out like i don't know you've got to call the credit card company to discuss it like it has to be you right like it has to be your social security or whatever like some of these things you can basically they'll call and they'll wait on hold for you and they'll get the operator and they'll just dial you in as soon as they have the person and then it's like a two-minute thing right because you're like hi you know my name is taylor this is my social security number my information whatever like i want to change this thing and um so yeah i do i do try to do that stuff i um I, guess I increasingly I had sort of like uh, um, some I didn't actually find them through Upwork but just a, a person that worked me on an ongoing basis um, that like helps manage a bunch of, um, of those kind you know those kinds of things and also higher level sort of project management uh, type stuff
0: dude you know what I tweeted about this the other day and tons of people replied to me and said that they have the same challenge there needs to be a how to find train and work with a pa or va course for entrepreneurs i don't there may be some out there if you're listening and you've got one or you know one please send it to me because i desperately need it but like it's getting to the stage now where leveraging a personal brand is starting to hit some scaling limitations um sure and which is great because i love being in control of it of it being me and there's tons of people out there zuby my buddy he's the same like he's He has, like, billions of impressions on Twitter every month and um, all of these different things, trying to sell a book and uh, sometimes I do coaching for people and I do this, that, and the other. And I'm just like, it's just him. And uh, he replied to my tweet about I need to learn how to find, train, and work with a PA or VA. And he replied to it and he was like, I'm listening desperately, like because he needs it too. So uh, someone, anyone, just please, for the love of God, Make a course on how to work with one because um, you are right. It's, it's a challenge with that stuff. There's a website called gethuman.com, which allows you to use a service that will wait on the phone until an operator picks up for you. Mm. Um, I that's don't know, good. I don't know if that's available in America, but it works in the UK. And I found okay. out about that on a, the Life Hacks uh, first episode of Second Season that we released the other week. So that came out. Uh, final one, fifth, the fifth way to work smarter, not harder. Develop courage. What does that mean? You mentioned it as one of your core values.
1: Yeah, and this is, I think, like uh, like many people, uh, I, lo- I love a good life hack, right? You know, you love know, it's like oh, here's this thing, and it's you know uh, your example of like the on it supplement. Life hacks are kind of like the supplements of. Of productivity or something right it's like oh, i just like do this one quick thing and like i'm Everything thinking my speaks. typing yeah. right like my typing speed i'm gonna get it up by like 20 percent and then like everything's gonna be like way faster and uh did it and um yeah i was yeah i have, have done that many times and, and still do that and um i i seem to love that i mentioned from the the soul in the game had a tweet called use courage and wisdom not labor uh to make money um and I thought that just like so succinctly captured kind of the idea of um, productivity for me that usually it's like, I'll just like work harder at it or I'll come up with like some trick, right? Like I'll find some like hack that'll that'll make this um, better, but like, inevitably for me at least like usually it's some sort of act of courage that like ends up being more productive, right? It's like this this hard conversation with my business partner that I've been avoiding having that is causing me... To do all this extra work, and then I'm angry about it, and I start getting resentful, or whatever. Like if I will just sit down and like have that uncomfortable conversation for 15 minutes, doesn't take any time at all, uh, everything will uh, will go better. The other example I think of, like you know, uh, when you're in high school, and you know the pretty girl or the pretty guy or uh, whatever, like you know you. Obsessed about them, like oh, they're like they'll never like me, and they're like so cool and whatever. And this is, you know, you spend all this time like thinking about it and worrying about it, and like you could just like figure it out real quick, right? Like you just walk up and you say like hi, I think you're cool. Like, do you want to go to the movies or whatever? And like they say yes or they say no, and like that's the end of it, and then like you go on with the rest of your life. But uh, you know, like I like everyone in high school, I suppose, but like I did it too, right? It's like there was some girl, I was like, oh, she's so cool and she's smart and funny, and da da da. -da 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 And I'm just gonna think about this for four years yes. or whatever. And it was like, yes. could have <laughs> yeah. sorted it out in two minutes. It was a two minute job. Like it could have been in and out. You know, there was no, there was no reason to, to drag out that way, but it was, it was a courage thing. I was like, Oh God, like what is she going to say? Um, when I go talk to her, is she going to like say that I'm dumb or, you know, like, whatever the thing is.
0: That could be an operating principle. In fact, I think it might be one of yours that you've taken from David Allen, where you say, uh, just always look for the next action. Like what is the way that I can act on this thing immediately? Um, and Another way to look at that, man, I've been thinking about that sort of situation a lot, that there's an opportunity cost to ruminating about anything. Such an opportunity cost with tons of stuff. So I got this thing, uh, this Modern Wisdom Academy, which I'm super excited about launching, which is just going to be a partner for the podcast. So every day that a podcast episode goes live, which is three days a week at the moment, um, you get a curated summary of all the key learnings from that episode on a partner blog and uh, Delivered in your email inbox so you're never gonna forget anything again It's like we could even down the line look at trying to build spaced repetition into it So, you know, you listen to this podcast and in three months You can't quite remember all the stuff you said you have to go and listen to it again No, you don't you do this and I've been thinking about it for ages and I was like, do you know what it is I've been thinking about this for so long It would be simpler and quicker to just launch the fucking business so that I don't have to think about it anymore? Totally. And that's the same as the girl, right? It's like, if you're going to think about that girl and maybe not go out with any other girls who would be even better or cooler, or you find out that actually she's got, like, bad breath or she's really a bit of a bitch, you don't know. You don't know if this business is going to be a bitch, like, or whatever it might be. So, yeah, the opportunity cost, developing the courage, looking for the next actions. I um, I love them, man. Uh, Look, final thing before you go, dude. Have you got any book recommendations we get inundated with recommendations for books as someone who's pretty well read is there any that you think people might not have might not know about so an example from me would be john boyd's biography which i thought was phenomenal um but anything else that you think if you're looking for something a little bit new that you maybe haven't heard of before here's here's a couple of examples
1: yeah i think uh I think the fighter pilot who changed the art of war by Robert Coram is the John Boy biography, which is awesome. I use, I very rarely, I kind of just like chug along with books. Usually like I'll start and I'll pick it up and put it down. And that one, I, I think it was like three days. Like I just picked it up and just like crushed the thing. It's like, this is so good. Um, yeah. I mentioned the war of art uh, by Steven Pressfield. That's, you know, I, I don't know how well known that is, but I like that one a lot. And then um, I guess my, my, sort of off the wall or, our uh, underrated um, book that I probably I don't know, read four or five times now is um, finite and infinite games by James P cars. Uh, he, uh, yeah, I figured that would be a new one, but he is a professor at, uh, I think or he was, and he may have passed away now, but he was a philosophy professor at New York university. I think in like the seventies and eighties and, um, wrote this book called finite and infinite games. And, uh, and the premise is, you know, there, there are two types of games in life, uh, finite games and infinite games. And, uh, finite games are played according to known rules towards a specified end and infinite games are played by reinventing the rules with the purpose of extending play. And, uh, he, he, that's, that's basically the summary of the, the whole kind of books. So like for an example, like, uh, when a, uh, father is playing catch with his son, it is not a finite, he's not trying to win catch, right? He's not trying to, there's not, there's no, there's rules to catch and I'm not trying to throw it the hardest and win catch, right? You want to make catch fun. You're trying to invent new rules to catch so you can keep playing catch uh, with your son or that, that's my American baseball analogy, but you know, you can use the the, foot, the football analogy or whatever you want, right? It's, it's an infinite game. right? Like you, The success is like we just get to keep playing catch uh, into the future. And I think that, you know, that's true of so many different areas of life, right? You can approach like, well, once I get to this, thing then I will have won the finite game, whether that's, you know, the sport or the, the, whatever it is. Um, but you know, there's, Hey, you know, there's this whole other way of looking at it, which is like, you know, how could I, how could I reinvent the rules of this game in a way that just made it interesting and able to be able to, you know, to continue, um, extending play, so I, I come back to that book and, and just that. It really, you you really have like to read the first chapter. Like the rest of the book is good, but like the first thirty pages, you get the whole. <laughs> he lays. I mean, he lays out the whole idea, and maybe even only the first fifteen or twenty. Um, but the first chapter of that book is is phenomenal.
0: That's awesome. It's a much cooler, less cliche version of um, like the path is the destination. It's about progress, not perfection, and stuff like that. I actually prefer that. I prefer talking about the way that the game gets played and being able to continue playing the game as well. I think that's a, that's a cooler way to do it. Man, we made it. We did it.
1: Great success.
0: We made it through. Um, everything that we've gone through, the, your phenomenal blog, which, like you say, 300, 300 posts from the last God knows how long. Um, what's next? Or oh, is there any other stuff that you want
1: to plug? Any stuff that people should go and have a look at? uh not yet check out the blog uh, i have a newsletter uh, i write random things on there so if you're into that stuff you know go, go for it
0: that's awesome man thank you so much for your time taylor i've really really enjoyed this
1: cheers chris pleasure